Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. You know how great your house looks and smells when it's just been cleaned? So fresh. And somehow, a clean house makes your head feel fresher too. With a housekeeper from Care, you can reset your house and your head. As often as you like, for less than you think. Find a great housekeeper, set a schedule that works for you, and check cleaning off your to-do list. So you can put your mind to other, more fun things. Get the housekeeping help you need at Care.com. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Hello, Larry and Lise. Today on Cold House, we dive into the unsolved case of the Somerton Man. First, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. You can check them out today at pondex.com. Use promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. And as always, you can be a part of the show. Send us a voicemail, 682-305-0483. Give us your thoughts, your theories on all the cases we investigate. As always, if you want, you can remain anonymous. But now, let's dive right into it. Old Case Files, The Somerton Man. The Somerton Man case is unsolved, and there is compelling evidence to suggest that someone wants it to remain that way for reasons that are not clear. The case involves not only an unknown poison, a book of Farsi poetry, an unidentifiable corpse, but also ballet, even a professor fixated on the number of teeth the person has. Internet sleuths also tie in a baby's death, perhaps killed to shut up his parents and the brother of a politician who died in a hauntingly similar manner. Eerily, some names and details echo in unrelated cases. According to the government of South Australia, Attorney General's Department, the inquest into the death of the man opened from June 17th 
to 21st, 1949, was adjourned without means. The case was never closed, and it does not seem that it ever will be. Someone, it seems, was not too bothered by the man being found, but would not allow him to be identified. On December 1st, 1948, a man was found dead on Somerton Beach in Adelaide, Australia. The government of South Australia Attorney General's Department notes that several witnesses saw him on the beach the day before, sleeping, and they thought he was drunk, according to Fizz.org. John Bain Leons and his wife saw the man from about 20 yards away that evening. According to Smithsonian Magazine, he tried and failed to raise his arm. This may well be the last time anyone saw him alive. In 1959, investigator Gary Feltis happened upon a police reports stating that a witness, quote, saw a man carrying another on his shoulder near the water's edge. Two trainee jockeys exercising horses discovered the body, an unsmoked cigarette on his chest. When they looked through his pockets, they found nothing that would indicate who the man was. All the tags had been cut out of his clothing. The body reached the Royal Adelaide Hospital three hours later. At that point, Dr. John Barkley Bennett had pronounced his time of death as no earlier than 2 a.m. The people who passed him on the beach could have possibly saved him and prevented this mystery. There were no outward signs of trauma that would explain why a man who otherwise looked like a happy, even athletic 40-year-old would have fallen dead. Now let's take a look at the autopsy. According to the government of South Australia Attorney General's Department, the coroner's inquest files have been released. While in some ways, such as this high calves that implied he, implied he may have done ballet, he was the picture of health. His spleen was, quote, strikingly large and firm, about three times normal size. And his liver was distended with blood, according to Smithsonian Magazine. His last meal had luckily been a pasty. Death had occurred before digestion, but it was not poisoned. Deputy government analyst R.J. Cowan did not know, quote, a poison which can cause death but decompose in the body so that they are not discernible on analysis, and stated that, quote, if death was caused by any common poison, my examination would have revealed its nature. The Northern Star reports that pathology professor John Burton Cleland felt the poison must be something that kills in a few hours. It does not cause convulsions or a struggle. In open court, Sir Cedric Stanton Hicks would not name the two poisons he suspected. Instead, he passed Cleland a note that the candidates were digitalis and strope of phanthin. The Somerton man had two genetic quirks. His upper ear, hollow, or hollow, was more prominent than his lower. And Fizz.org notes that he was missing both his lateral and scissors. Those alone should have been a significant clue to find out who he was. Now let's take a closer look at the Somerton man's clothing and his suitcase. A ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach dated the day before he was found him was was found in the man's clothing. According to the government of South Australia's Attorney General's Department, no ticket seller or bus conductor remembered him. But they can't be expected to when questioned months after the death. This led this lead eventually brought the investigator to a brown suitcase at the bus station, abandoned on November 30th. The contents identified the man as Keen, K-E-A-N, or T-K-E-N-E, according to the Northern Star. A quick search of missing persons showed that no one by that name. According to Smithsonian Magazine, 
The police suspected that someone had pur purposely left them on, knowing that the dead man's name was not Keen, or Keen, K-E-A-N. In the suitcase was orange thread that had been used to repair the man's pants. The container otherwise had no stickers or markings that would allow them to test the owner's identity. While more modern methods could pull more information from the suitcase, the government of Australia destroyed the evidence in 1986, saying that it was no longer required. Later, while going through the Summerton man's clothing, Professor Cleland found a slip of ripped paper in his watch, fob pocket reading, Tamam Shud. According to the Attorney General's Department, the words Tamam Shud have been torn from the last page of a rare copy of a poetry book. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the title. For those who believe that the case at Summerton Man was a suicide, this was as good as a note. Detective Raymond Lean disagreed, quote, There is no fact that I know of which points towards suicide and abolishes the possibility of murder. Then the book appeared the day after the inquest was adjourned. On June 22, 1949, a man told the police that the book had been tossed in his car back seat. On November 30, 1948, parked close to where the body would be found. His brother-in-law presumed it belonged to the man, while he assumed it was his brother-in-law's. According to the Smithsonian Magazine, it ended up in the glove compartment until he realized that it might be what the police were seeking. In the back was all fit the paper. He used ultraviolet light to find an unlisted phone number, as well as a coded message. According to Fizz.org in recent years, Professor Derek Abbott has tried to crack the code from sometimes unusual angles, getting his students drunk and having them rain letters. These experiments have indicated that the letters in the book have a structure and likely mean something. The best guess is that the letters were at one time pad coded and might not ever be decoded. The phone number led police to a home 400 meters from where the Sunken Man was found. The woman who lived there, Jessica Thompson, aka Justin, claimed that she didn't know the mystery man. Detective Leanne showed her a plaster cast of the Summerton Man and reported to the Smithsonian Magazine that she was completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance she was about to faint. When asked about the book, she said that in 1944 she had given a copy to a man named Alfred Boxel, whom the police assumed must be the Summerton Man. This was complicated by the fact that Boxall was still alive and his copy was intact. Thompson died in 2007 and cannot give any more answers. Though she never seemed inclined to. The advertiser quoted Thompson's daughter Kate as saying, She had a dark side, a very strong dark side. She said to me she she knew who he was, but she won't give she wasn't going to let that out of the bag, so to speak. There's always the fear that I've thought that maybe she was responsible for his death. Professor Abbott said, quote, The fact that she kept everything secret, turned this whole case into a mystery, is part of the equation, too. And now, let's take a closer look at Robin Thompson. At this time, Justin had a young son, Robin, who was not sired by the man she had married. According to the Northern Star, Robin went on to become a famous dancer with the New Zealand Ballet. He would have been 16 months old when the Summerton man died could have been his son. Robin had the same tooth and ear anomalies as a Summerton man. University of Adelaide professor Hinnenberg, who examined pictures of Robin, noted to ABC News that the chance of having pictures was 
between 10,000 and 20,000. That he would coincidentally share these with the Somerton Man is a more astronomical figure. Quote, Therefore, it is likely that the Somerton Man and the person suggested to be his son are actually related. If her daughter confessing what she knew hadn't been enough, such an entree being shared more than it implies that maybe Justin was not being completely forthright about knowing the Somerton Man. Robin died in 2009 and was cremated before a serious re-examination of the case began. Still, he had a daughter born of an affair with a ballerina named Roma from the Australian Ballet. They were unprepared for a child, so the ballerina had her baby and put her up for adoption. And now, let's take a look at Brother Eric Abbott. If one is reaching Somerton Man, they won't get far before hitting upon the exhaustive research and theories of Eric Abbott, a professor of electrical and electronic engineering at Adelaide University. He discovered the mystery in 2007. Per ABC News, he was reading a magazine in a laundromat, learned about the case, and essentially thought, hey, wouldn't this be fun to discuss with my students? It was a small question that would radically change the trajectory of his life. According to Fizz.org, he's driven by the moral imperative that everyone deserves to have a name. Quote, our individual identities are fundamental to being human, Abbott said. Civilized societies always strive to preserve the identities of the dead, whether it be the result of accident, crime, war, or natural disaster. He tried for years to get the government to agree to exhume the Somerton man's body so that tests could be run that might better explain who he was. They said they did not have a compelling interest in knowing, such as thinking that he might be related to the Somerton man, so they wouldn't give permission. Rachel Egan did not swear until her early 20s that she was adopted. She was always been the odd one in her adoptive family. She once said, quote, I always had a passion for ballet and dance and theater, and I always wondered where that came from, which makes a case for nature or true. Once she knew she was adopted, she moved closer to a birth a woman named Roma to get to know her. Then she met Derek Abbott, whom she referred to as a nerd. Quote, he wanted to look at my ears and my teeth. He was also after my DNA, she said. Probably the first request I've had from a man to do that. Her ears and teeth don't show her biological father Robin's anomalies. A few days after they met, Derek proposed, Rachel accepted. Roma found all of this profoundly shaky, suggesting that Abbott only proposed to get to her DNA. Rachel said ABC News, there's some truth to that. In the end, she stayed with the relationship with Roma to her road. They married and had three children. Unclear if the kids have ear or tooth anomalies or how they feel about ballet. The fact that my family is now entwined with the Somerton man makes things perhaps a bit more complicated. And lo and behold, it's time to exhume the Somerton man. Besides his prob probable descendants, Fizz.org noted that the only DNA the Somerton man that Abbott and other investigators have had access to has been from hair samples in a museum. Abbott is specifically interested in the Somerton man's autosomal DNA, which is at far lower levels in hair, particularly hair that is decades old. Fortunately, the police understood were burying a man that they were disposing of some of their best evidence. Helmed, and then had the body placed in concrete in the dry ground in case they needed to examine it further later. Professor Abbott and others have continued to push for exam for years. 
years. Abbott, of course, thinks the Simmerton man is related to his wife and children, though Rachel isn't sure. The advertiser reported that when Derek wrote to Attorney General John Rue in 2011 to petition for an examination, he was rejected because there needed to be public interest reasons that go well beyond public curiosity or broad scientific interests. Let's take a look at some of the theories that exist at the summer to man. Even the least exciting man is fantastic. He killed himself using unidentifiable poison and eliminated all traces of his identity. According to the Attorney General's Department, Professor Cleveland said, quote, In all probability, some poison had been taken with suicidal intent. The words, Taman Shud, were put there deliberately and indicated that intention that he was fed up with things. According to news.com.au, neighbors claimed that an unknown man had knocked on Justin's door on November 30th. Surely someone would have admitted to recognizing him by now. Another theory is that the man, an ordinary fellow, heard something he should not cryptically noted, notated in a copy of the book. Whoever he overheard elaborately murdered him and then left clues to bring the police to a suitcase full of questions. The more popular theory is that the man was a spy. It was the beginnings of the Cold War, and an untraceable poison does seem like the last meal of an international spy. The government has stonewalled those who try to get information. The Attorney General's Department noted, though, the State's Records Act of 1997 should allow them access. The Somerton Man case is still an open case despite its age, and therefore we do not have police files relating to the case in our custody. As late as 1978, according to the Smithsonian Magazine, someone intermittently put flowers on the Somerton Man's gravestone in Adelaide West Terrace Cemetery. In 1949, the advertiser, Roma Monkinson, not to be confused with Rachel Egan's mother, was almost hit by a car. And then a man with a khaki handkerchief over his face told her to keep away from the police or else. She believed this had to do with her husband Keith's attempts to claim that the Somerton man was his former co-worker. On June 6th, Roma's two-year-old son Clive was found dead in a sack next to his unconscious father. Both had been missing for four days. After a conversation with a detective at the hospital, Keith was transferred to a mental ward. Two politicians reported that they received calls stating that either they or Roma would meet with accidents if they stuck their nose into the Manganosin affair. Who wanted to silence Keith badly enough to kill his child? Keith suffered war neurosis, according to the Chronicle. He spent seven weeks in a receiving home the last time he disappeared for days without explanation. Keith only cared about Clive anymore and was found incoherent and shivering, his son dead by barbiturates. An empty pill model of the scene, not tricky calculus. The Somerton man was linked only because Keith claimed to have known him. The man who threatened Miss Hunginson told her not to go to the police, possibly about the attempted vehicular manslaughter. Also, Detective Bond suspected that threatening calls were a morbid hoaxer. No mysteries here, only tragedy. Months before the Somerton man, the decomposed body of George Marshall was discovered on Taylor Bay with the exact same book on his chest. This was a doubly spec because his brother David Marshall was the first chief minister of Singapore. The truth of the situation is more big. Marshall was 
after a previous suicide attempt at a beach, George was institutionalized. According to Gold Histories, his treatment intently put him in comas where electroconvulsive therapy would be applied. Brain damage was a side effect. After earning his life for a very large sum, George suicide. He was an ardent lover of the poems. The underlying portion of his copy could be a suicide note. At the inquest into Marshall's a woman named Gwyneth Dorothy Graham spoke. Thirteen days later, she was found face down in the bathtub, her wrist slit, sussed by shadowy cabal. No. Graham said that she lived with her parents, but had sh shacked up with a soldier, Helmut Hendon. George had, quote, told her to break from Hendon that he was evil. The night of Graham's death, Hendon had suggested she leave the flat and go back and live at home. The Argus stated that she responded by going to the bathroom committing suicide. Hey, leave a comment in the comment section below who you think the Summerton Man is. You think he's a spy? Do you think he's a spy? Do you think he's just a guy that committed suicide? Let us know. And if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. And if you want to see more of our cold case files, you can check up the video right here. Thanks so much for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, Buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash true crime never sleeps. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.